Welcome to the Partner Running Show, a show for runners and soon-to-be runners from around the world as we talk all things running. The Partner Running Show is hosted by a couple on the run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien, and proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine. And now, on with the show. Well, welcome to the Partner Running Show on this 28th or 27th of July 2015, no matter where you may be in the world. I'm Andrew O'Brien and I'm here in the Partner Running Studio with my lovely co-host Sue. How are you, Sue? I'm very well, thank you. Well, the focus for today's show is uh, we're catching up with hearts across Australia and Mm. specifically Gary Wilmot, who is uh, running from Perth to Brisbane in Australia, 5,400 kilometres thereabouts uh, via Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra, Sydney, and all the way up there to Queensland. So massive, a, massive run. A magnificent achievement. So, yes, uh, Gary is the feature of our show today. We caught up with him uh, yesterday afternoon to record the, the interview whilst he was actually on the road. So, yes, which was very so we helped novel him, way of... We helped him sort of... Count down about six or seven kilometres, I think, while we we're interviewing him, sort of past the time. Which, he said it was uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> he was really happy about it. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's, our, that's our feature. We learn all about what it's like to run from one side of the country to the other. Yeah. Uh, also on the show, of course, our regular segments, we're going to have a look, uh, quick look at the news, uh, ask Sue, interesting to find out what we're going to be hearing and learning about today, and of course we'll finish up with just a quick peek at what's happening uh, in the world of running next weekend over the shoulder a quick review of last weekend's running so what have we got news wise sue well i suppose one of the races that did capture uh, quite a bit of media over the weekend was the san francisco marathon very popular event we have run it in the past, about 26,000 runners uh, that were participating in the various events associated with it. Of those, about 8,500 full marathoners, um, including Maitran, one of our sort of acquaintances from Southeast Asia. But uh, noticeable for a small glitch, I suppose you'd call it, and that was the headline, in that the second place runner Jorge Maravilla, ran across the course or veered across the course as it came towards the finish and straight into the five-kilometre runners who were a mass of uh, fun runners and then had to vault over police barricades and run across streetcar tracks to try and get back onto the correct course. And in doing that, he dropped from second place down to third place where he finished in that position and was not very happy about the uh, that happening to him and put in a subsequently put in a complaint to the race director about the signage and the course direction that he was not given when it came that point to make the decision. It's always a worry that, and particularly when it only happens to one person. If you get a group of people yes. let off course, you can make sense of it, but but you do tend to think when it's one person that lapse of concentration, that it was actually their own fault, yeah. and, and it is can be done? Look, it can be done. Um, it's, as you say, like if it's in the middle of a course and half the course go off that way or um, or half the runners go off that way or a couple of runners even have made the wrong decision, you think, oh, maybe my signage could have been a little bit more clear. But uh, I suppose in the zone, 
head down, just ran where he thought it was going to be and wasn't quite. Now, I noticed that the San Francisco Marathon for the first time enabled US uh, Olympian or people to qualify for the Olympics, but the times that they ran were not of that ilk. So Very hilly course, I believe. Uh, well, I think it, it has changed since we did it, and you mm. do go uh, across the bridge now, which is quite stunning. But, um, yes, uh, whilst it, in theory, I suppose, it's a, it's a qualifying race, I think it, most people aren't going to pick that as, as the one. But because there's not that much on at this time of the year, I suppose, it's uh, it's always a sort of a, an opportunity if other things haven't done. But for the for the rest of us, mere middle and back of the pack runners, a magnificent one to should be on everyone's bucket list, I think, San Francisco. It is. And the race directors are trying to always make improvements. They ran out of water last year and have rectified that problem, had more drink stations and more actual physical water at each of the aid stations as well, trying to compensate that. Now, a race that did cop a bit of flack for not being uh, very well organised or uh, good for runners was the Patia Marathon. Very scathing review appeared in the uh, local, well, they actually published it in uh, the the Pattaya Times, that the uh, race had, this is from a 10.5-kilometre runner, who said that the price had gone up, there was no goodie bag, there was no signage during the run, there were no kilometre markers, they had to shorten it on the day from 10.5 down to 9.5 with no reason given, and uh, no bib timers. So, in other words, uh, what was he paying his money for? He was a bit uh, very distressed by that and suggested that the race organisers have another look at their event if they're going to be catering for shorter events or just the marathon. Uh, Otherwise, just forget the 10.5k runners and not have it. Does sound rather strange. Yes, he was very distressed by by his experience. It would be interesting to see if the degree to which that was a shared view or did somebody just in terms of this guy, just get a, a very warped perspective on the whole thing. Indeed, because we saw some friends that participated in the marathon that had a good time. Yes, we thought it was yes, well, yes. well organised, well run, and no complaints. Yes, and so the there other, you go. Report, other reports suggesting that that's heading in the right direction, that race. So. Mm. Yes, that was interesting. Now, uh, coaches are appearing, offering our friend Mike Rossi that I reported on last week, the guy that's got the reward offered for $100,000 to try and improve his marathon PB by about 30 minutes. And uh, some coaches are starting to offer plans and suggestions about how he might go about that. And uh, so it's quite interesting to take note of some of the suggestions that they're starting to put in, that how he can go from a 3.43 runner down to a 3.11 runner over 12 months. We should put in a bid on the the basis of Slater, Slater and Gordon learn something from the law. No fee. No, no win, no, no fee. No win, no fee. So we just take a percentage of the 100 large. Yeah, there you go. So it's quite interesting to see and, you know, things ranging from, uh, well, you know, his uh, his BMI is 18.5. He's got to drop that down a little bit or so for being a male marathon runner, um, you know, putting all different things into his training program over the next 12 months. So we'll... We'll watch what happens with that, but there you go. So interesting. Whether he takes up the offer and the challenge. Now we um, reported a few times over the recent times about Scott Jurek's uh, trail, and I think we've mentioned last. I think it was last week that uh, there'd been a bit of controversy at the end, and he'd been issued with summonses and all sorts of uh, issues with the park rangers, and uh, he actually responded this week onto his. Um, under his blog, just to sort of set the record straight. And uh, I won't read all of it, but there is one little bit I was going to read. But but in essence, what he was saying is that um, he didn't go above the 12. 
people that was reported. He kept to the numbers. Um, there were park rangers watching them, and they actually said to the park rangers, uh, one of the people said, oh, I've got some champagne here, and you know, what's the story? And the park rangers said, um, advised to keep it away from families and children. Uh, so to them, to the person who had the champagne, it sounded like that was okay, uh, as long as they did a Yeah, so, about so minors and underage drinkers and stuff like that, maybe. I don't know. So, the, so that was quite interesting. Um, Scott... I think it's quite clear that you know he um, accepts responsibility for any rules that he breached, and maybe he should have been, or he should have been better informed. Uh, but this is the interesting part, and I think this is the bit that I did just want to read word for word uh, because it, it it probably captures his essence, and it is a bit of a concern, I think. And then what he says is, since then the park administration has chosen to paint a disparaging and inaccurate picture of what truly happened. Several objective parties, from whom I've never met tried to set the record straight with their own account of what they saw on the day. But the park has removed those posts from its Facebook page. I'm not sure why a park so opposed to media and fanfare decided to push the media to the media a view of what happened that was not accurate and a personal attack on my character. So mm. all very interesting. Um, and, and, and clearly he's got a whole bunch of witnesses and supporters who were, who were telling his side of the story or... or well, maybe it's not his side. Maybe it's it is the real version of what actually happened. Um, and yes, they do. They, as we said it before, we'll say it again. They do a lot of wonderful work these U.S. parks, but some of the ranges are just a bit a bit strange there. So anyway, good to good to see that he has set mm. the record straight. And um, he, he says he's received the summons, but not the fines. I don't know what that means. I suspect that. I suppose in Australian terms, you get a summons, and you've got to go to court, yeah. or you've got to, you know, it's an indication that either a court or a fine is on the way. So he may yeah. still get fined, or these guys might decide that they've got their five minutes of publicity, they've catched in on and used his his uh, achievement to promote their own thing. And so interesting to see. Yeah, uh, well, the other thing that was uh, to do with they've had trouble with parks before was uh, bad water, of course, yes. which is underway as we speak. Um, and they've had their issues with disagreements and agreements with number of people going through the park and damage to the environment and all of that sort of thing. So uh, yes, yeah, so, so I think that they've got tighter restrictions now on vehicles and support and the hours and all those sorts of yeah. things. So it, it is a very interesting one. Uh, talking about bad water, that, that actually reminds me of just sort of confirmed the news. I think that the uh, we may or may not have talked on the show. I know that. Off air, we got excited and interested in a, in a new, what was going to be a new race. It was the UT Chiang Mai, so Old yes. Trail Chiang Mai in Thailand, uh, was announced for I think it was December. Uh, might have been late November this year. It was a new event, sort of a, along the lines of um, UTMF Mount Fuji. Um, however, there was a bit of a controversy then then erupted that their proposed course was going through some. I'm not quite sure the word used, but like sacred sites or pristine wilderness areas or um, cultural significance. I think it was a mixture of, of both environmental and cultural concerns. And uh, at that point, it was like, well, we're looking for a, an alternative course. And I subsequently heard a couple of days ago that the, that race is not going ahead for this year, uh, whether or not it'll, they'll get around that for future years. But certainly for this year, it's mm. it's not going to happen. So would you know, a, 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 um, a UT Thailand would be an interesting... Yes, it was, yes, a shame because they put quite a lot of work into the marketing and promotion of that event. Um, the the brochures, the website, everything was 
up and running except for the permits yep. in place. All right. Okay. On with the show. Ask Sue. Do you have a question you'd like answered? Why not send us a message, a tweet, or post your question on the Partner Running Facebook page? Take it away, Sue. Over the last few weeks, I've had quite a few runners asking me for advice about how to deal with their iliotibial band syndrome or their sore ITBs. I think quite often we get that abbreviation of the injury or the, I suppose, not really an injury, a condition more than an injury. And it's very frustrating to a lot of runners because it's not so much an injury, but it is a condition that develops with often when they've increased their amount of running or their intensity of running. Now, the, just to explain a little bit about what the iliotibial band is and what the syndrome, often it's actually added to ITBFS, iliotibial band femoral syndrome, it is lateral knee pain, usually at the knee area, so the lateral, the outside part of the knee. The pain starts to become severe. It may not be apparent when you start running, but ultimately can cause you to stop running as that pain becomes so intense and so sharp. But by the next day, the pain is gone. But as soon as you try to run again, then the pain comes back. Now, the iliotibial band itself is a fibrous band of tissue that originates at the hip or the iliac crest, hence the ilio part of the of the, the word. And it passes down the outer third of the thigh to the knee, where it attaches to the thigh bone uh, or the lump on the outside of your thigh bone called the epicondyle. And there is a fat pad that is between the bone and this band of tissue. And that's the thing that gets irritated and inflamed. Now, this syndrome or the pain or the inflammation can occur for runners but also for cyclists. And the main symptom is the pain, usually at the outer edge of the knee, but sometimes can be down up at the hip as well. The pain's often worse or is usually worse when you try and run downhill and it becomes more intense or worse after a relatively pain-free start quite often. And it's noticed when your foot actually hits the ground, just after you hit the ground, when you've got to a full extension of the leg almost. So it starts off uh, during running, but it can also get so bad that it's felt just during walking or movement of the knee itself. Um, it starts to sort of develop or become worse as that tendon slides over the knee and the knee bends and straightens it creates a friction and uh, this friction then increases well often due to a couple of factors if you've got weak weak hip adductor muscles which are the muscles that take the leg out to the side if you've got a tight iliotibial band and the angle of your knee so if you've got quite uh, a knock kneed body, you're probably going to be more susceptible to ITB soreness. And also the way you run, the way your foot actually strikes the ground. Now with a lot of these sort of injuries, prevention is often preferable to trying to cure the problem in the first place. 
and the three or four big takeaways um, for runners that might be starting to feel any sort of slight irritation along the outside of the knee are as follows. The first one is to really check your footwear. Uh, we often comment that we've got to rotate our shoes quite regularly, don't run in worn out shoes, but this becomes particularly important if you do have any slight soreness or problems. So the proper supportive footwear, so if you're a slight pronator or supinator or your foot rolls in or out, make sure that you've got the proper footwear and orthotic support for you but also changing your footwear um, at regular intervals. Now, after about that 500, 800 kilometre mark with shoes, they lose about 50% of their shock absorption capacity. Doesn't mean they're completely worn out, but they start to lose that shock absorption. So don't keep your shoes too long. Number two is to strengthen those hip adductors that might be the cause of the ITB soreness or the hip instability. So as I said, these are the muscles on the outside of the hip that work at lifting the leg sideways away from the midline of the body. Uh, so hence, any of those exercises that you do, lie on your side, lift the leg up and down, that sort of adductor work is going to be good. Abductor work is going to be good at strengthening those muscles which will help your hips be more stable, stable as you run. Now the third one, which again is a real takeaway, is to increase the volume of your running slowly and in a measured fashion. Don't do too much too soon. And ITB band syndrome is often associated with either new runners who increase their mileage too quickly or even fairly experienced runners that are putting in a huge increase in their volume of running over a short period. So just increasing the volume by no more than 5 to 10% per week and try and run longer runs at a slightly slower pace. Also, the fourth takeaway for trying to prevent ITB band syndrome getting worse or originating in the first place is to think about your choice of running surface. Running on concrete, or running on a cambered surface or an angled surface increases the likelihood of iliotibial band syndrome massively. So some preventative measures are always better than trying to cure them. But if you do find that you're getting that sore ITB band or at the outside of the knee, first thing in that acute soreness range is to just give it two to two weeks, one to two weeks rest to try and let the inflammation settle and associated with that is ibuprofen or some of those anti-inflammatory drugs iced to the affected area. Treat it when it's in that acute phase of just trying to get the inflammation down. But if it does become chronic and it does need some more of those long-term fixes that it's been, the problem's been with you for quite a while, that, that strengthening of the hip abductors big part of it, then stretching, stretching from the hip down to the knee. Um, there are lots of stretches, just have to Google ITB band stretches, but they can prove very, very effective in trying to release that tightness of the tibial, iliotibial band area. So couple of things to think about, but mainly prevention is better than cure. Strong hip abductors, good stretching, and uh, icing at the first sign of problems, avoid concrete surfaces too much, and also pay special attention to your footwear. And hopefully, uh, of course, 
not increasing the running volumes too too quickly too soon are all going to set you up for a happy injury free running life ahead that was the ask sue segment of the partner running show if you have a question for sue please post it on the partner running facebook page or email us at radio at partnerrunning.com. Well, ITB, I'm sure, is going to be a very sort of popular topic amongst the listeners. And it just sort of reminded me, um, I've been meaning to over the last few weeks, to just to thank those people, and there's a few too many to actually mention by name, who... who um, well, some on the odd occasion and some on a quite a regular occasion sort of send in suggestions for Ask Sue's or or give feedback after the show, you know, yeah, I've had that problem or this is what I did or could you ask me or could you give me a bit more information or some referrals or something like that. So um, we, we really love hearing from people about suggestions for uh, topics, not just for Ask Sue, but for the show in general, people to interview, things to talk about, challenges, issues, and also we really love the feedback from people around, yes, that's what's worked for me, or I've done something different, or whatever it might be. So big thanks to people for that. Yes, yes, always really, really uh, beneficial, and we're all here to try and help each other with our our running and uh, different techniques and things we can try to, to help, particularly with injuries and things like that. Always handy to hear. I, mean, I think today we were sort of was show 198 or something thereof, uh, and the vast majority of them have had an Ask Sue. Many of them have had you know, running education-type sessions as well as the various event things. And so we've got quite a, a database uh, and a catalogue of those things now. And so one of my tasks in the next couple of weeks is to, to have them all available online individually so you can go to the specific Ask Sue at any time, easy to find it, and have a bit of a listen or any of the other bigger topics that, that people might want to go for. Okay, that takes us or brings us to our feature story for the week. As we said at start, Gary Wilmot is running from Perth to Brisbane, 5,400 kilometres to raise awareness and uh, funds for the Heart Foundation in what it, what is known as uh, Hearts Across Australia. Now, Gary is particularly popular online. Is a member of the Rogue Runners Club of Australia. Good friends there, sort of that was started in Perth and slowly but steadily also finding their way all around Australia. Well, yes, um, where he's finishing in the East Coast. <laughs> There's a, a group waiting to meet him. Very, pop, very popular online. One of the great uh, online running clubs of, of the world. And um, so, so Gary is a member there, but also early in his transition, he sort of took on the persona of no more Mr. Fat Guy. And so uh, use, 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 and does continue to, of course, uh, use that uh, brand, for want of a better term, to engage with and entertain and, and support uh, and build a community there. So uh, Gary's a great character. He's, he's come a long way in a short time, literally, yes. in terms of his, his running. And he's got a fascinating story to tell. So um, the last thing I did want to say, Sue, is that we, we caught up with Gary, and this comes through in the interview, whilst he was actually on the road, um, as he sort of left Imbula and heading to the next town. And so in terms of the audio quality, he's talking on his mobile phone as he runs down the side of the road. It's pretty good, but it's, yeah. not, it's not studio and quality. And if he sounds so. a bit breathless, that's why. Yes. So we do uh, apologise if, if there's a couple of bits where maybe 
it is a little bit harder to hear. But uh, you know, we we actually got him on the run, yeah. doing what he's doing. And there weren't much traffic noise. No, no, I, it, I noticed that, that there wasn't a lot of traffic noise. So I was waiting for the big trucks to go past or something, but not all good. Yep. Okay. So uh, short word from the sponsors, and then we'll get straight to our interview with Gary. You're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien. Proudly brought to you by PartnerRunning.com and The Partner Runner magazine. Well, this morning on The Partner Running Show, something very different and something very exciting and someone we've been wanting to catch up with for a while but just kind of got off track. But anyway, we've finally done it. We've got Gary Wilmot who is, uh, at the moment working under the banner of Hearts Across Australia. Gary, welcome to the Partner Running Show. Oh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Now, we've got to explain to people that Gary is actually running, and we'll get him to talk in detail, but he's actually running across Australia. He started in Perth and he's made it into Victoria. And so we've actually got him, he's just left Dimboola in sort of western Victoria, southwest of Victoria, and he's moving towards Melbourne, I suppose. That's the context. So he's actually on the road as we speak. So a little bit of background noise and that sort of thing. We are we are really live on the track. Yes, we are. We're going to be covering <laughs> so, distance during this interview too. So, Gary, tell us a bit about, just first of all, what is Hearts Across Australia? Oh, well, I mean, I guess Hearts Across Australia is the uh, logical next step or uh, several thousand steps in uh, my personal journey. Um I guess it all, it all kind of goes back to uh, like originally uh, a few years ago when I was uh, overweight, smoking, and, and living a, a healthy, sorry, an unhealthy lifestyle, and uh, really got to the point at the age of 42 that I decided enough was enough, and uh, you know there's only one person that could actually make that decision uh, to, to change and uh, to, to not be um, a bit of a, a mess health-wise, and. Uh, uh, basically set out with the objective of uh, becoming fit enough and healthy enough to uh, to complete a marathon. Now, uh, what happened then over the period of about 18 months, uh, basically got, got that fitness, became a runner. I used to, used to say that I hated running. Uh, completed that first marathon and then I was kind of just left with this. I mean, you know that quote that says, I challenge you to train for a marathon and not have it change your life? Um, yeah, it's pretty true. So. Yep. <laughs> I kind of uh, just got to got to that point of uh, crossing that finish line, and in that sort of week afterwards of reflecting on on uh, what had just happened, I kind of thought, well, this feels amazing, and <clears throat> there was uh, I just felt like I had this, this renewed zest for life and this passion, and I just felt that I wanted to do something to prove that anybody could do something similar, anybody could actually just make that decision and lead healthier lifestyles and actually feel a lot better and, and just rediscover that kind of passion for themselves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, what happened next really was uh, was more of a series of jokes on Facebook, just as I was looking for something to do. Um, I mean, you're familiar with the uh, the Rogue Runners Club in Perth, yes. I believe. Yes, yes we, we know uh, those yeah, guys. So Speak to the, to the Rogue so, yeah, Runners Club quite a bit. Yeah, I was uh, just basically uh, running, running every now and again with with uh, with Pete and, and so on over in over in Perth, and uh, I think there was a, a post online that uh, just put up as a as a joke uh, a suggested road training run on a, 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 a Sunday morning, and 
because of the online running community. There's an active one in Perth and a very active one in Brisbane, and uh, and there's some uh, rogues on on uh, on both sides. And Peter put up Perth to Brisbane, and I had this light bulb moment. I just went, "That's what I'm looking for." <laughs> That's really um, where Hearts Across Australia came from. As a, as a practical demonstration that you can really sort of change your life and, and just take control. Um, and and um, it sort of unfolded from there, really. That was about 18 months ago, and, and here we are actually doing it. Magnificent. So we'll get, we'll get to come back in a, in a few minutes and yeah. get get into a bit more nitty-gritty about that. But but in essence, you are running from Perth to Brisbane. Is Brisbane the finish line? Um, yeah, Brisbane is... Uh, it will be... Um, there's elements of park run in this as well. I'm a, a very enthusiastic park runner. Um, so I've basically started at the Canning River Park Run start line, and the official finish line will be, I think, South Bank Park Run finish line. Uh, but it'll be, it won't be on a park run day, it'll be on a, something like a Thursday, so uh, we'll just finish it off on the Saturday with actually doing the park run itself. Yep. Yeah. And, and roughly how many kilometres are you expecting the journey's going to be? Um, the goal has been quoted as roughly 5,400. Right. And that's oh. just based on uh, what Google Maps told me. Yep. Okay, so well, exactly where are you now? Um, it's like probably about three or four k's away from, uh, what is it, Kimbula? Kimbula? Yep, yep. Kimbula. And uh, on my way to a little, little place called Whale, um, our actual finish stop, uh, the finish point tonight will be about 15 k's before Horsham. Nice. And I think right, Dimbula is famous for many things, and one of those, of course, is it was the home of Tim Watson, the great Essendon, <laughs> yes. Essendon footballer. Essendon footballers, yeah, so yes. Well known to everybody. So it's a good place to – he ran away from there too. He did, to Melbourne, yes. So, so Gary, uh, we often like to put our guests through the partner running dash, um, and Sue's just warming up. She's going to put you through your paces. But the last question I've got for you before we do hand over to Sue to do that is, for people who are wanting to check out Hearts uh, Across Australia online, where's the best spots for the go-to? I think there's a website and there's Facebook and all sorts of things. Well, there is, there is heartsacrossaustralia.com. Yep. Um, that, that's uh, that's the, the, the website. But uh, where most of the activity is taking place at the moment is on Facebook. If you actually want... Uh, <coughs> Sort of live from the road, sort of photos and updates and like little observations and just information about various things that are going on. So people want to send you a message. People want to send you a message and check out the latest. They go to uh, facebook.com, Hearts Across Australia. Yeah, just go to Hearts Across Australia on Facebook. Magnificent. Um, And but it's it's, uh, the links are also available from uh, heartsacrossaustralia.com. So you, you know either or. You'll, you'll eventually get there to, to find us. Excellent. Okay. Cool. Sue? Okay, so we're on the start line, for, yes, through the, the for the partner running dash. Okay, Gary, first question. Pre-run snack? Ooh, uh, honey toast. Preferred exercise drink? <laughs> Yasana um, vanilla shake. Favourite running shoes? Uh, hocker, hocker, hocker. Favourite running socks? Uh, light feet. Shorts or tights? Both. Cap or not? Uh, never used to be, but I'm currently uh, wearing a beanie a lot, but it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been running? 
Um, <laughs> um, let's see, it would be... My brain's gone. It's um, It was um, probably about six months into doing, doing the thing, so it would have been middle of 2012, so two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Watch, apps or naked? Um... A watch and a, yeah, so watch, yep. Mm-hmm. So GPS or heart rate monitor? Uh, GPS occasionally heart rate. Training diary or not? <laughs> Online blog mostly. Favourite event? All in terms of distance or actual event? Uh, actual event. Actual event. Uh, I'd say it has to be. It comes down to two, London Marathon, Gold Coast Airport Marathon. Favourite run training activity? Oh, I, I quite enjoy the pain of speed work, but I enjoy the meditation of the long run. Prefer alone or with a partner? Oh, mostly solo, but then meet up for a coffee afterwards. Music or silent? Sorry? Music or silent? Um, silent. Mm, longest run? Sorry? Longest run. Longest run? Hmm. That's a... Um, that that would be a 50k ultra mm-hmm. in a single session. How many times do you run per week? <laughs> Currently? <laughs> Before you started Before the you journey. started this one. Um, so it'd probably be about... What is your favourite cross-training activity? Um, Rowing machine. Do you acknowledge other runners? Yes, I'm a park runner. We we want to get high fives every everywhere we look. Next event. Next event. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, an interesting one, isn't it? No, ne- next event after this is going to be um, Winham, the Winham uh, Twilight Bay. Half marathon the day uh, the day after park run when I finish this. Running goal. Running goal. Um, <laughs> currently sub five marathon. Do you Facebook tweet or blog your running? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Why do you run? Um. <laughs> I mean, I became a runner because it was part of my fitness journey. I run for. Everything that it gives me. Mm-hmm. Favorite running song. Running song. Mm. I don't. I kind of don't listen to music. I don't really have one. But okay. um, I do. I do always. Uh, no, there's, there's a song that I can, I can remember what the song is, but it, it always sticks in my mind. Um. No, I've forgotten the name of it. But it's the one that I did my first run to, but that. But, <laughs> No, that's, that's okay. Stuff up on that. Favorite running book? Oh, um, I've got to say, um, probably I can't remember which one it was. It's, it's, it's the, uh, All, the All Night Runner by Dean Canazis. That okay. just like when I read it, when I finished reading it, I just knew that I, was, I knew that I was going to do this. Mhm. Nice. Post run treat. Post-run treat, um, a, a good second breakfast. And run inspiration. 
run inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, as cheesy as it might sound, um, all the ordinary runners are running every distance and try, striving just to do whatever whatever it is they're trying to do, um, largely on Facebook, but also the community that I'm involved in uh, locally as well. Very nice. Thank you, Gary Wilmot. You have completed the Partner Running Dash. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. It's the hardest one I've ever taken part in. <laughs> yes. So, Gary, um, tell us a little bit more about when you got started with running and, and sort of the the No More Mr. Fat Guy, um, I suppose, brand persona that, that you adopted for a while. What, how did that all come about? Well, I literally that got to that point of, Let's say I was 42 and overweight, pretty bitter, negative, sarcastic, you know, negative sort of outlook on life. And it's kind of a whole bunch of stuff came together to, to just make me sort of go, do you know what, there's, there's more to life than this. It's not supposed to feel like this way and, and, and nobody's going to come along and fix it for me. You know, I'm not going to get invited to appear on Biggest Loser and you know, I, I need to make this opportunity for myself. And uh, I was working with a personal trainer and uh, she was basically going to be doing it remotely because uh, we were like opposite ends of, of the Perth metro area and wanted me to keep a, um, a journal. Now, I know from past experience that I, I'm very, very bad at keeping up written records. So uh, <coughs> one thing I did do, do regularly is I'm online. Well, my background is IT, so I'm regularly online. And I was blogging and stuff like that. So I decided that what I could do... Um, to start a blog and uh, you know, basically uh, journal everything on there so that, so that the trainer would be able to keep an eye on what I was doing. But also at the same time, by making it public, it gives a like, massive accountability. So uh, you know, that was how the, the idea came up for doing the blog. And then it was just a case of coming up with the name. It was uh, you know, a choice of uh, run, fat boy run, and, uh, and no more Mr. Fat Guy was the winner. Nice. Nice. Like yeah. So then... I mean, you talked a bit before about uh, how you got into, or how the, you know, running across Australia came about. But why the Heart Foundation? Well, uh, it's an interesting thing the way that it's all worked out. I mean, initially the idea came up because I wanted to, you know, really that normal Mr. Fat Guy type message, just to sort of say to people, you know, <laughs> change your mind, change your thinking, and you can literally change your life. And people were sort of, you know, looking at me and not really quite understanding and asking if I was doing it for charities. And I heard that so many times, I decided obviously it needed to be a charity component so that that logical hook that people could actually understand. Um, as it turns out, because I had said a number of times I personally felt that I was a couple of years away from having a heart attack at, you know, back at the start of all this, um, <coughs> yeah, the Heart Foundation was a very good fit. And not only were they a very good fit, but as I've been sort of unfolding my own personal story going back to, um, you know, like, right back to the age of eight, if not before, um, my grandfather on, on my mum's side basically um, had a, was a sudden death at, uh, in his 50s when I was eight years old, and uh, we were very close to that side of the family. So through... Of understanding my own story through those long runs and all that kind of stuff, I eventually came to this realization that I'd become a heart foundation runner, and I kind of felt as though that was what I was supposed to be doing. So I, that personal connection is there um, in, in two or three different ways. So that was really 
quite a nice moment, and uh, I ended up, um, that was just before I ran London for the Heart Foundation, and uh, so yeah, basically, mum and dad came down to watch that, and I dedicated that to grandpa, and it all came together in a, in a really lovely way. Nice, so I think my understanding is this is basically two uh, two ways in which what you're doing is supporting the Heart Foundation, first of all, raising the profile and awareness, but also encouraging people to donate to the Heart Foundation. So how do people who want to donate, yep. how do they go about doing that? I mean, basically, if you go to the Facebook page, the, uh, there is a link on there to the Everyday Hero account. Um, so that's going to be the simplest. Um, in fact, yeah, it's easier to... to Facebook.com, Hearts Across Australia, is probably an easier uh, easier URL to, to um, tell people. But just go there um, on the information somewhere. Is a donation link. If uh, if you can't find it, just message me and uh, we'll point you in the right direction. Okay. So um, how else then? If people are saying, "Oh, you know, I'd like to help out uh, with what Gary's doing," how else can people get involved to to help you on this massive journey? Well, I mean, we've actually um, in the last couple of weeks, um, it, it's a, always a name of, of mine that this would basically be the start of something ongoing, and. Uh, so what? What? I, I wasn't quite sure what form that was going to take. And again, basically, while walking across the Nullarbor, um, one morning I was sort of um, just came up and realised that uh, I had all the, all the different components in place of what I wanted to do. And we're basically going to run the um, <coughs> it the Hearts Across Australia virtual fun run slash walk slash crawl web. Basically, it's taking this idea that's uh, becoming very popular online at the uh, virtual run. People can basically, uh, again, through uh, getting through the information that's on the Facebook page, they can basically sign up and specify any distance, maybe uh, get together with a group of colleagues or friends or family and uh, have a bit of a social event out of it. And uh, basically, an adventure, a uh, a medal and uh, a bib with the, the logo on it, and uh, the profits from that go towards the Heart Foundation fundraiser. Now, that's um, intended to be uh, May every year, and uh, obviously this year it was something that uh, it may be in the, obviously the anniversary of me starting this May this year. Um, but obviously this year people can sign up for it and, and, and basically take part any time between now and uh, middle of September. Nice. I tell you what, though, this is very fascinating, the, the whole logistics of getting something like this together. And, you know, you're so far through now, but for our listeners and uh, for us too, how did you go from the idea to actually now being where you are? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I almost have to put my hand on my heart and say I don't know exactly how it all happened. All I know is um, I had the idea. I very passionately um, wanted to do it. I could see myself, visualise myself, could feel how it felt running into Brisbane and having completed it and uh, just stuck with it, just really uh, stayed with that idea. Um, I had no idea how I was going to finance it. I had no idea how I was going to get the time off work. I had no idea who was going to be support crew, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And basically by just sticking to that, that goal, by sticking to that core idea of, of what I actually wanted to achieve and actually knowing what it was I wanted to achieve, little by little the pieces kind of 
know, just started to appear and fall into place. Now, obviously, it's not to say that it was just handed to me on a plate. I mean, I did all the work and all the training, um, kept, kept an awareness and, uh, you know, took opportunities when they came up. But, uh, yeah, I have to say that uh, the, the way that it worked out um, was, was just pretty amazing. I mean, the sponsors turned up at the right time. Um, the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy from my uh, government job came up at the right time, so it provided um, so, uh, you know, the cash buffer and uh, the time. So, yeah, everything really just did come together by sticking to that core goal. Wow. So what in terms of crew and the logistics of what you're doing, so are you halfway yet? Um, yeah, we're over halfway. Adelaide was just over halfway. Right, okay. It, it, mm-hmm. uh, logically, it was a halfway point, and uh, we reached there last weekend. Yep. So, yeah, so you've got – how's the whole crew and how far are you going each day and yeah, where do you all stay? All that, how's that yeah. all happening? Okay, so the way that it's basically working, you're averaging about 50, 55 k's a day. Um, I mean, overall, it's about 5,400 and it's about 300 k's a week. But by the time you take out, you know, the downtime and, um, you know, taking time out for park runs and all that kind of stuff, um, basically you just got to do a little bit more than 50 each day just between the cities. Yep. Um, Basically, I'm a slow runner anyway. this is a lot of walking. I mean, it's a, it's a walk, 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 run strategy rather than a walk, run. Um, there's a lot of walking involved because of the lower impact and uh, better recovery. Yep. We're up um, as early as we wake up, basically. I mean, normally on the road, on average, at about 5 o'clock in the morning and uh, quite often um, don't finish until maybe 8 o'clock. Wow. Yeah. It's... Um, Obviously, during that time, it's broken down in the day, normally into four, five, or six sessions, where basically the support crew will take the camper, and they'll drive ahead, maybe about 15 k's, 10 k's, whatever has been predetermined, um, working out where um, suitable lay-bys or tans might be. And, um, yeah, so they'll, they'll basically go ahead and, and wait for me, then uh, have a cuppa or you know, a little bit, little bite to eat. Um I'm generally out on the road self-sufficient. I've got a backpack with the towel and nutrition on board and you know, a banana in my pocket sort of thing. Yep. And, um, yeah, we, we just keep going through the day like that. And uh, it's a case of getting into a rhythm. We've sort of really, really got, got into that rhythm over the last, um, mostly this is week 11, so mm-hmm. we've sort of uh, perfected it on the whole. So you don't have to actually get to a town to have a stop because you've got the camper van and the crew on board that have got food organised, that sort of thing. It's really, you go as far as you can within within reason, um, within that space, or is, are, are stops yeah, predetermined? It depends. it depends. I mean, we do try and get to a powered caravan site most yep. nights, so that, especially now. Um, now the winter's really uh, biting and we're, we're into, uh, since we hit South Australia and now Victoria, um, like <laughs> having that powered <laughs> site, you know, Without the power, without the power, we don't get the heater. So uh, if we have a powered site, we get the heating, and uh, that makes it a little bit easier to get get started in the morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we can get a powered site that's within um, a reasonable drive of the finish point, 
Uh, but basically, we do aim to do 55, pretty much 55 k's a day. Um, sometimes we're a little bit short, and we just make up for that, you know, in, you know on, on other days. Mm-hmm. So, what are you what are you eating, uh, Gary? Both at the or before the day, during the day, and, and to recover at the end of the day. Um, well, uh, basically, it's a, it's a mixture. I mean, my, my breakfast tends to be uh, oats and uh, and toast and a black coffee. Um, yes, I out on the road. I've normally got um, you know the backpack with the uh, the water and the towel Um I am trying to clean up my snacking. I mean, I've got a bit of a bit of a bad ultra runners uh, snacking uh, stock of like lollies and snakes as well as the the nuts and the fruit. Um, <laughs> we we probably went a bit too hard on that across the Malibu because it was just uh, almost like comfort eating because you just like <laughs> no fresh food available at the roadhouses and yep. stuff. But um, by and large, we're actually uh, eating just basic, sensible. Um, well-balanced meals. I mean, breakfast. I'll have um, yeah, I'll have a snack when I stop uh, with a cup of tea. Uh, it might be a couple of biscuits. It might be, um, yeah, I might get uh, one of your sauna shakes down me. Uh, lunchtime, yeah, you know, lunchtime today was just a couple of wraps that were cooked up by uh, one of the lads. Um, yeah, sort of mid-afternoon, something similar. So like nuts, fruit. Maybe a chocolate bar, maybe a sauna shake, um, and dinner can be anything. I mean, just just good basic. I mean, it could be bangers and mash. It could be um, you know tuna pasta, or it could be uh, yeah, it just basically taking some carbs and some veggies and some protein and making it as tasty as possible. But it's mostly functional food. Mm-hmm. I can imagine uh, that would be one of the the tricky bits. I mean, when we did our eight marathons, eight countries in eight weeks, um, you know, by the time we got around to the night before the race each week, after the two or three weeks, it was like, oh, you know, not more pasta. And you know, when you're out, <laughs> you're doing a, um, you know, you're doing an ultra run, and you and you do, you don't have the Mars bar and the Coca Cola or something, but you're doing it, you know, over one ultra event. It might be a, you know, six hours or twenty four hours. But you're not then doing it the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah, and so that's right. When you're yeah. when you're running, you know, 55 kilometres a day, that 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 variety of food to keep healthy and keep moving, it must be it must be really all quite uh, difficult, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think we we again we sort of got into into a good routine. I mean, the Nullarbor Lunches were probably the the least um, varied yep. down across the down across from, um, from Norseman to Sedona. I mean, we had uh, instant noodles quite a bit. Um, <laughs> we basically did a shopping spree at a couple of places along the way, and just, we had um, basically cupboards full of it, full of the things. Because we were like, oh no, we're not going to be able to get any food on the Nullarbor. Or it's not, you know, it's going to be this bad. It's going to be that bad. It actually wasn't as horrific as we as we thought. The road houses were reasonably well spaced out. Uh, we did get powered. I think the most we did was three nights unpowered. And to be honest, like a, a lot of the roadhouses along the way have got really good restaurants. So we were actually getting some decent food in there as well. But, uh, you know, we'd sort of built up this... In advance, we sort of got ourselves in a state where we were believing that it was, you know, we were going to starve and, and basically you know, die of thirst and, and whatever. But... Yep. Uh, it actually wasn't as bad, but we just ended up with a big stock of instant noodles, so we had to eat them. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> so there's there's two questions that that um, 
all not, not every interview that we've ever been yeah. we've, we've, when we've been interviewed that we've been asked, but uh, often the ask and the two questions are: Have you lost or gained weight so far? Do you know? I believe I've lost. Yep. Um, it's well, no, I have lost. I, I gained a bit before I set off. Yep. And I think I'm pretty much well, when when we got to Adelaide and first off, I was going to bring a set of scales with me, and then the batteries had gone, and I just yeah, a few things went wrong right before leaving. Um, so Adelaide was the first opportunity I had to weigh myself, um, and I was showing about 115 kilos, which was pretty much what I was when I was um, probably at my uh, leanest previous to that. Yep. So I think I, I, I probably gained at least five. Yeah, just um, there's a combination of uh, like easing off. I, I did a whole lot of training and stuff, and yep. I basically had a, a month of tapering and recovering and and then basically four ultras in four months. And then I took a month off before doing this. So um, in that full, in that full, again, there's a bit of a panic mode. Again, oh, I'm not going to be able to get access to any of my favourite foods. So I was pretty much living on those and piling on the kilos. <laughs> so, I, can, uh, I can imagine that uh, <laughs> it would be a, tr- a tricky issue and it, and it could go either way by the time you're done. I sus- I, if I have a guess, I'll suspect that in the, in the last third... Uh, your system will really move into um, a sort of a focus, and you probably drop a bit more weight towards towards the end. The other question we, with, that uh, yep. is the popular one is: uh, so being you know, a bit over halfway now, how many pairs of shoes have you been through, and how many do you expect to go through? Oh well, I am very lucky in that uh, Run Western Perth got on board quite early, and they um, they have organ- they organised for me three pairs of shoes for the first half up to Adelaide that were basically on rotation. So they, they pretty much had about 900 kilometres each in them. Uh, and pretty much by the time we got to Adelaide, they were ready for replacement. But yep. <laughs> you could mm-hmm. feel that life, life was going out of them because obviously I'm, you know, rough terrain. I'm not, not a small, lightweight runner. Uh, so that was, that was uh, for the, up to Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide... I received another three pairs. Uh, again, three run west. Um, uh, some of the other stuff I've got the, the, the Stinson trees, and I've got a, uh, a couple. I've got some Stinson ATRs and some Bondi. Yep. And they're really just at the moment they're being broken in. Um, it's just uh, what well, we probably about a week from Adelaide now, and they're just really beginning to feel comfortable on the feet now. Because yep. that was the one unexpected issue was. Uh, Obviously, brand new shoes don't have quite that comfort and give in the in the in the upper that uh, you know used shoes have got. And yep. of course, the feet are a bit tender from 2,700 kilometres. So uh, I actually had to just uh, ease myself into them and and break them in a little bit. But uh, that's all good. Which does uh, take us to so the next... hopefully. Sorry. I was going to say that the sort of prompts us to our next question, which was really in terms of the how's the body holding up? Any any injuries? Any any particular issues that are bothering you? Um, the body itself. I mean, I was really worried and thinking that my main issue was going to be um, legs. I was expecting to have like you know like leg soreness and tiredness, and, and that is beginning to kick in sometimes. Um, you know. I mean, we've been on the road for uh, over 10 weeks now. It's not that surprising. Um, but the one that really shocked me was uh, was the amount 
of discomfort and pain that was in the feet, yeah. uh, especially the first three weeks. Um, because there's a lot of I've done uh, a three day exercise. I basically ran the um, the Bunbury 50k ultra, and then that was on the Sunday. And then spent the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday walking back to Perth just as a, as a training exercise. And learned a few things along the way and had a couple of issues with, with feet, but nothing really that major. And the first two, probably two weeks um, on the Great Eastern Highway and uh, out to Kalgoorlie, I had, it was just, I couldn't get my head around it why it was, you know, I was feeling like I was like a really old arthritic man. Um, and then I had a, um, some work done on the feet by uh, a physio. And uh, sort of a massage, and they were doing like trigger point work, and it suddenly dawned on me: you've got muscles in your feet. <laughs> they've got the same, they're yeah. sub, subject to the same issues that everybody else, every other muscle is subject to. And that that relief work was uh, was just amazing. And uh, uh, after that, I think once I hit the the air highway from Norseman, uh, not only had that work been done, um, so the feet had had some relief. The skin had started to, to toughen up on the soles of the feet. Um, the calluses were developing on the sides. And uh, and just generally, the, the muscles and the whole sort of like system was beginning to adapt. My body was beginning to adapt, and I was beginning to, to get into that rhythm and and just really start getting... <laughs> really, I spent the first couple of weeks um, getting into like the equivalent of, of match fitness, I guess. You know, it, was, it was like a couple of weeks of really getting to the point where the body was in the right sort of state. And since then, um, touch wood, I haven't really had uh, any issues. Um, so far, I've been quite well known for, uh, for being prone to tripping and injuring my knees on trail runs. So, uh, so far, so good. Well, because that was the, the big thing, I think, for a lot of uh, ultra runners is the blistering of the feet. But it sounds like you've managed to avoid any really serious blister problems. Yeah, it's uh, and purely and simply um, by being completely paranoid about it. Um, I did have I did have a couple of blistering issues on that training exercise from Bunbury to Perth. Um, did a, got into a, a lot of research on it, and um, I wish I could remember that. A lady down in Esperance, Re- Re- Rebecca Rushton. Yes, yes, that's that's it. Basically, everybody was like, when I was talking about. Um, what was happening on the way back from Bunbury, everybody started pointing me in Rebecca's direction and saying, yep. like, she's the go-to person in Australia for ultra runners. And uh, so there was a load of information on her blog. And uh, so I picked up a, a load of tips and, and tricks and, uh, and information, but also at the same time, just got that mindset of, you know, focusing on, on looking after the feet. And pretty much most of my... I mean, I do obviously, you know, try and remember to do um, your stretching and stuff like that. But uh, more than anything else, I spend an awful lot of time at the back of the camper actually, you know, got anti-inflammatory products and um, uh, sort of heat rubs and uh, petroleum jelly and, you know, all these different things that are either designed to ease the feet or to lubricate them or, you know, a little bit of taping here and there just to, protect uh, like, uh, the worst blistering I had was when, um, when I got caught in a, a little bit of a shower the feet got quite wet and then I made the mistake of not changing my socks at the next um, the next, next rest break 
and then uh, like a little blister started to develop on on the big toe, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. So I'll take over that, you know, keep an eye on it, stay on top of it. Oh, and it's really just that sort of paranoid, sort of proactive treatment of the feet is actually uh, keeping the feet in pretty good nick. Yeah, that's, I think that would be Rebecca's catch cry is the blister prevention yes. rather than yep. uh, blister treatment is the, is the sort of crux of that, that issue. But I think we should just ask about your crew because you've mentioned them a few times. Yes. But who, who are they? Who are the How many are they? Yeah, and what are they doing? Well, there's two and believe it or not, there's... A couple of 22-year-old lads from the UK, and I did not know until a few weeks before setting off. Um, they're basically, um, one of them is a, there's a guy called Oles, and he's uh, school, basically they're, they're mates from school, uh, so there's Oles and there's Ben. Now, Oles um, is basically friends with a member of the uh, a member of staff at uh, my, my um, one of my sponsors, Saybubble, and... Uh, Basically, um, I had I had somebody that was lined up. Um, was originally going to be doing that, was going to be doing the driving and so on. It was going to be a one-man support team, and uh, just just with uh, yeah, personal issues and, and a few things that weren't lining up, he unfortunately had to had to pull out. Um, you know, a couple of months ago, and uh, I sort of said to um, my you know, basically Catherine and Say Bubble, I said. Um, yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, it's all work out. It's it's, it's going to work out fine, and you know we're going we're to get a good outcome from this. And uh, just just so happened that um, one of the one of the team members knew Oles. Um, he was over, he'd been over here for about six months at the time. I've been talking about doing uh, travel around Australia. Hadn't actually uh, started doing that travelling yet. He sort of got sort of embedded down in uh, in Perth, doing doing bits and pieces in Perth, as you do. And uh, so they got in touch with Oles. Uh, he went, that sounds amazing. I'm in. Uh, we we met and we kind of got on and, you know, every, everything seemed to be fine. I got a good good, good sort of vibe from, from meeting the guy. And uh, and then he started to say, well, actually, I've got my mate Ben, who uh, I've already organised to uh, to come over. Um, I think Ben was flying into Adelaide. And the plan was that Oles was going to go to Adelaide and then they'd go and do some travelling on the east. So he went over and met Ben and said, um, bit of a change of plan. This is what I've signed us up for. And so Ben came back to Perth and uh, and the rest, as they say, is uh, history. Oh, no, that's, that's great. Well, as with you and your crew, can you say what have been the highlights or the highlight of your journey so far? Um... I can't honestly say from their point of view. Unfortunately, <laughs> not here. But I do know. I do know that obviously they are experiencing travelling across Australia in a completely unique way. Um, it's you know it's not the kind of backpack holiday that you would um, probably normally envisage yourself taking. Um, I know they have um, certainly appreciated seeing, you know, basically seeing things that they would normally have just driven past. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think. Um, just that aspect is particularly good for them. For me, um, obviously setting it all up and, uh, and and really, you know, having that focus on this is going to be the message about lifestyle change and about being fit and healthy and embracing the passion and following your heart and you know doing the, the Heart Foundation fundraising aspects and all that sort of thing. So that was, that was kind of the focus. And, and what has actually surprised me is that. 
um, it's people. I mean, it's, it, it wasn't something that I was thinking about, and it wasn't something that I was necessarily expecting. But I mean, you sit and watch the news um, and get this impression that the world is bad. Uh, come and do something like this, and you'll get a very, very different picture of the world completely. You'll get you know, people have been stopping. Checking I'm okay, you know, checking I haven't broken down. <laughs> They're even discussing what I'm actually doing. They've been making roadside donations, uh, particularly on the Nullarbor. Um, very much felt like a we're all out here together kind of club. Um, I've met cyclists. I've met people who are basically just living on the road, been living on the road for, for a number of years. I've met um, caravan park owners. I mean, that was the caravan park we stayed in last night in Neil. You know, the, the lady gave us a site free. She found out what we're doing and she just said that here, you know, this is my donation, my contribution to what you're doing. You know, we've had discounts and we've had, um, you know, people that have just, people offline and online, like that Facebook friends, we've had people from the running community in Perth. Actually, you know, like when the, the tailwind nutrition arrived a little bit later than planned, I had a friend actually drive out like 150 k's, 200 k's, whatever it was, to bring it to the camper van. You know, I've had friends that accompanied me out of canning of a park run and spent the first day with me. I had people who then turned up on day two, you know, and then you get the support, you get all the messages online. Um, so, yeah, for me, the, the big, big, big takeaway, it's sort of just over the halfway point, is just how, how amazingly generous and kind, kind-spirited people are. So, Gary, the sponsors that we should get you to mention and, and to thank, who 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 is supporting you? Um, right, so there's SaveBubble.com. Um, they've done an amazing job of uh, really helping me put this together. I think mean, Catherine did, a, did an amazing job of just turning around and uh, organising some bits and pieces in the background, like yeah, finding the best deal for camper vans and yep. that kind of thing. Um, Run West. I mean, Murray at Run West in Perth, was probably one of the first people that just go, that's amazing what you're doing, I want to be part of it, um, put his neck on the line, um, really just like backed me and said that he was going to get on board with the nutrition and the shoes, and um, and, and, and then really sort of just then worked on the supply chain. We actually uh, got Hocker 1-1 Australia on board, and Tailwind Nutrition uh, Australia as well. Um I'm going to say, actually, uh, Say Bubble is also responsible for the, the big components that I forgot. Uh, they're, they're responsible for the HeartsCrossAustralia.com website as well. Yes. That's obviously a massive, massive uh, contribution. Mm. Um, we have a company like yeah, Yasana, uh, based on a sponsor, Yasana Athlete, which is just something I would never in my entire life dream I would uh, you know, tell you that I'm a sponsored athlete, but... Uh, <laughs> Apparently that's true. Um, so your farm have been amazing. I use their products, like their vitamins and, and supplements in shapes anyway, but uh, they've come on board and basically uh, sponsored me with about six months' supply. Uh, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically Hocker One Australia, Tailwind Nutrition, Run West, Say Bubble, Yasana, and uh, I've got to give a bit of a shout-out to, to a guy called Mark Eriks in Perth. Who uh, is Easy Fleet? Because he was one of the first people to actually put some money into into my crowdfunding uh, pot, and and that gave me uh, pretty much a, a big boost in confidence that I was doing something that was right and that people could actually believe in. 
Magnificent. So, so Gary, you're not that far from Melbourne. When What are your plans as you come through Melbourne? And, and for people, you know, we've got a big audience in Melbourne, people who might want to uh, come and cheer, check you out, say hello as you come through Melbourne, how's that, how's that all going to work coming through the big city? Um, I've actually got a rough itinerary post on the Facebook page about the places we're going to be hitting. Um, what's actually going to happen? Like Melbourne's going to be a little bit different. Adelaide, Adelaide we basically went right up to... Torrens Park Run stopped uh, on the Friday then we did the Park Run on the Saturday, rest day on Sunday and then um, started again on the Monday with Melbourne because of the way it all works out uh, in terms of lining up with Park Run um, I think we get to Ballarat uh, late Friday afternoon and we're going to basically stop, officially stop at Ballarat drive forward and just set up camp somewhere reasonably central in Melbourne. Um, Saturday morning, we'll be doing the uh, Albert Memorial Park Run. Um, Albert, Albert, Albert Park, Melbourne yep. Park yep. Run. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're doing Park Run on the Saturday morning. Obviously, we'll have our, um, our mobile uh, Locking the Love display and uh, we'll be available for, obviously, donations and information just to chat and to meet people and just generally hang out with park runners. Uh, we'll be there until, I don't know, we'll be there until nobody else is there. Um, and then maybe a bit of sightseeing, um, you know, just have a quick look around Melbourne. Sunday for me is probably going to be maybe a bit of catching up with, with people that I know in Melbourne, but uh, probably on the base of parking myself in a cafe somewhere and saying, come, and, come to me, I've got my legs up. Um, and then uh, Monday morning, we restart again from Ballarat. So we spend the weekend in Melbourne, then officially go through Melbourne at the start of next week. So the, the route through Melbourne, when you're coming through on, say, you would be Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday yeah. sort of Tuesday, Wednesday, um, where will you actually go through Melbourne? <laughs> I haven't quite got that planned out. We'll be, we'll be taking the, the most direct route possible. Okay, but that'll appear on the um, Facebook page, yeah? But it'll be on the Facebook page, and the next stop, basically the direction we'll be heading is uh, uh, Albury, um, then Canberra, then Sydney. Yep, yep. So we out at the Hume, in Hume direction, the Hume, um, the, the old, I think it's the old Hume Highway is probably the road I have to take. Yes. I'll probably, I'll probably be stopped by, by the police if I try and walk up the freeway. <laughs> trying on the freeway, yep. yeah. All right, Gary, so <laughs> is there anything else that we should have asked? We better let you go, and we're almost, you know, just over 45 minutes, I think, keeping you, keeping you moving along the road. But is there anything else that we should have asked you about or that you would like to tell people at this point? <laughs> There's probably stuff that I should have said. There's probably stuff that you should have asked. But to be honest, I'm about 7.5Ks into a 10K session, which is the last but one session of the day, and my brain has stopped working. <laughs> ah, well, you've done a magnificent job, and, and hopefully we'll... we'll uh, if we can't, if we don't catch up with you for a bit more on the on the run through Melbourne, we'll certainly catch up with you again in the next couple of weeks to get an update, and you'll have plenty of time then to think about. Oh, I, don't know, I forgot to talk about whatever it is that you forgot. So um, you're doing a yeah, magnificent probably, job, I've, and I've probably forgotten. Sorry, you're doing a magnificent job, so uh, you can't really forget oh, too much. So I've probably done something really bad, like forgotten a major sponsor or something. <laughs> so I'll apologise now. <laughs> Oh, no, good. I think people understand. He sounds pretty happy as he's going along. He doesn't sound as though he's uh, in a distressed, too distressed a state. Well, I think we've kept him occupied for a couple oh, of, of kilometres. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably good. Actually, yeah, this is, um, 
you know, like they, they talk about. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not not from from Australia originally, but I've kind of picked up a few things. And they talk about in AFL the uh, the, the uh, championship quarter, the third quarter of a game. Yep. And like that's kind of what this session is. This this time of day is always the most difficult. So you've actually uh, you've actually really helped me along. So. Good news. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> that good news. We are good place to go. So um, for people who, who uh, want to. Keep checking in on Gary. Mm. We really encourage him to go to facebook.com, Hearts Across Australia, and make sure you get that into your daily feed because there are constant posts and you can add your little, whether it's a like here and a few comments, a bit of encouragement, a good way to track Gary along, and, of course, the website that's got the link to donate and everything else. So good on you, Gary. Keep up the great work, mate. Thank you very much. Pleasure talking to you. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Fantastic Yeah, I look forward to it. So that Thanks, was uh, Thanks, Gary. Uh, Gary Wilmot from uh, who's who's running from Perth to Brisbane via Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra, Sydney, you yeah. name it. What a magnificent effort. Yes, it's a great way to see the country. The road ahead. Join us as we take a quick peek at a few of next weekend's running events. Okay, Sue, what do we got? Uh, coming up this weekend. Right, we have got Six Ore de Chernaga in Spain. We've got the A6 City Relay in Singapore, Eagle Creek Trail Marathon in Indianapolis, Elbrus Indoor World Indoor Marathon in Russia, 10 in 10 days at the Lake of Orta in Italy, the Garo event in Switzerland, the Grand Ridge Trail in Washington, the Inca Trail 26.2, Kongsvinger in Norway, the Lost Turkey Trail in USA, Beto Carrero in Italy, the Bridge Marathon in Brisbane. Dovedale Dipper in the UK, Drakewell Marathon in Pennsylvania, the Brisbane Running Festival, and Townsville Marathon, two big Queensland events, Vars Mountain Trail in France, the Yukon River Trail in Canada, and the event that we are participating in, the Centennial Park Ultra in Sydney. Yes, uh, with Keith Keith Hong that we spoke to from Buzz Events Mm -hmm. & Co. We spoke to Keith a couple of weeks ago. If you want to go backtrack and uh, check out the interview with Keith when he talks all about the um, Centennial Park Ultra. He also talked about, uh, I've been meaning to mention this, the Run Nation Film Festival, which was a huge success. They sold out and uh, it was, was a huge, big success that uh, we'd spoken to Keith about. Clearly, his interview on the Partner Running Show just put things right over the top and made sure that they, they did sell out. So um, I think Keith had said he was hoping to take the film festival on the road or to other places. Yes. So watch a city near you for, for Keith and the films coming along. But Centennial Park, there's a 50 K, there's a hundred K, and there's a relay, peers event, all sorts of things. Yes, and a chance to maybe catch a little bit of theatre in Sydney whilst we're there. So, <laughs> yes, you never uh, know. <laughs> okay, so thanks, folks, for tuning in. Again, uh, any questions, suggestions, or comments, uh, feedback, or other ideas for the Partner Running Show next couple of weeks? We've got a couple more interviews lined up, and um, we're going to do a bit more detail of last week's show when we sort of break down those nine characteristics and, and sort of one by one get into the nitty gritties of each of those. So that's sort of our program for the next couple of months i suspect will keep us busy so thanks a lot sue have a great running week uh enjoy your trip to sydney thanks folks and uh thanks a big a big shout out and thanks to uh gary and all of his supporters and uh, we're going to try and catch up with gary every couple of weeks just to get sort of a five or ten minutes for the rest of his journey as he makes his way through melbourne yeah up the east coast Coast, canberra Mm. sydney and to brisbane thanks folks we'll see you next week on the partner running show you're listening to The Partner Running Show with your hosts, Couple on the Run, Sue and Andrew O'Brien.
proudly brought to you by partnerrunning.com and the Partner Runner magazine.